What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 93 of your favorite podcast, The Gordite Podcast. I am your host, Justin Haley, alongside my co-host, Scott Simmons. And today, we're going to talk about some physique enhancement considerations. There's a ton. There's a ton of information dropped in here. Holy fucking shit. I would highly recommend you taking notes. You might even have to listen to this two times. It's not a very long one, but it is a very, very informative one right off the rip. So I hope you guys enjoy, as always. Brought to you by Revive Supplements, brought to you by Raw Supplements. If you could, please scroll down to the bottom, leave us five stars and a super nice review. We appreciate you guys so much. Almost to episode 100, but 93 is coming today. I'll see you inside. All right, you guys, today during my training session, um, before we were, um, uh, before we had a podcast topic picked, I guess, there were just a few things that kind of came to the forefront of my mind that I was like, you know what, we should address these items on the podcast today. Um, I don't know, shit just kind of pops into my mind sometimes. This is kind of yeah. my favorite podcast, though. This I think so. Was, yeah, they're fun. I feel like a majority of our podcasts are that. <laughs> um, and so let me honestly, I just kind of want to get right into it. Number one, I want you to approach your training sessions with this thought process. And I cannot take credit for this thought process. Um, This is uh, a a friend of mine who's a a coach up in the Northeast, Phil Viz. Um, I was, I believe it was on his Instagram story, uh, maybe on a post, that he was talking about this. And I've been thinking about it since I read it. And I I feel like this is a really, really, really good way to articulate kind of what um, true training is Mm -hmm. like. So I believe Phil said something like he walked into the gym and he did like his first exercise or his first set, Mm -hmm. uh, like working set of the day. I know what you're talking about now. And uh and then after that, there was like something that happened where maybe the, like the electricity went out. Fuck, I, I kind of forget the whole context, the overall uh, context of the post because I was so focused on the theme of the post. And the theme was, if you go into the gym, you complete your first working set or um, you know your your first exercise, and then the gym shuts down, or you have to go, or you have to leave. The electricity goes out. Fucking earthquake place catches on fire. Fucking earthquake. <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking know. Something crazy. Serial killer comes through. Are did you get enough stimulus from that set to force you to grow? So think about that. That's only if you only have one fucking set and you look back at your last training session, whether it be, you know, earlier today or yesterday or, you know, whenever your last training session was. Think about your first set and focus on that first set. Did you do enough in that first set? Did you take your body to a place and did you force your mind to go to a place that was beyond your minimum stimulating threshold point? That was something that your body had to adapt to because it was so hard and you were pushing so far that your body has no other option but to adapt to the stress that you placed upon it in that first set that you did during the day. If your gym closed after your first set, if you had to leave after your first set, would that still be enough to improve? If 99.9% of you are looking back and you're assessing very accurately, the answer is probably no. I see a ton of people's first sets. Like, I feel like at House of Gains, there's a lot of serious fucking people training in there, right? Mm -hmm. So I see how a ton of people perform. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I say things like 99.9% of you, I'm talking about 99.9% of my gym, which is a very fucking serious gym. Sure. 
they would not improve after that first set. Mm-hmm. Like they would have to, it takes a multitude of sets to improve. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're training wrong, but if we're trained with an extreme purpose, like the like extreme improvement or to step on stage or whatever, that first set should be enough to reach your minimum stimulating threshold point. The first set should be enough to force an adaptative response from your body that it has to repatch and repair muscle tissue and muscle fiber that, you know, you tore during the set. That first set should elicit a neurological response of, oh, fuck, that was really hard. I was not able to do that comfortably or I was not able to do that competently. And then it has to change, adapt and grow. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Once you think about that and kind of carrying it over into, you know, all of your training sessions and all of your sets, quite frank, every single set needs to be enough. So I also made a post on this earlier in the week talking about setting the tone. That was an amazing fucking post. And most people don't understand the importance of setting the tone. So what is setting the tone? Setting the tone is the first set, the first working set of every single exercise. Obviously, you know, we get warmed up. We have warm-up sets, go through warm-up routine, whatever it might be. That first working set, that first top set, whatever it is, however you start off your training session, that sets the tone for the rest of the session. So if your mind's not in it, if your body's not locked in, if you don't push yourself hard enough, if you don't do the things that you need to do in this first set, well, you just set the precedent for the rest of the, uh, of the, uh, of the lift. Well, we can only change if we're pushing hard enough, right? So it's not like just going to magically come by accumulating, you know, meaningless volume that isn't forcing us to change. Every single rep should be a step in that direction of changing. Okay. So right out the gate, you set the tone with a set that is so fucking brutal that that if that was the only set that you have during the day, you're going to grow and change. Pretty fucking straightforward. Carry that over into your training. And then make sure every single set thereafter is to the exact same effort level. Some of you guys who might do fucking 20 sets per training day are going to realize very quickly why nobody who's truly training hard is able to do 20 Mm -hmm. fucking sets per training day. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very unrealistic. It's almost like you should treat every set as if the power is going to go out. Yeah. Treat every set as if the power is going to go out. Or, you know, another good analogy is like if you had a gun to your head, to fucking save your fucking life because you got another rep. Sure. And, you know, I, I, I always say, I know that one's fucking intense, but it's really true. You know, if you're training with a per, if you're training yeah. for a purpose yeah. or training is a huge outlet for you or mm-hmm. you want training to become the hardest fucking thing you do during the day, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the day, well, then push yourself there. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that you can possibly do throughout your day that's more mentally and physically and spiritually challenging and exhausting as truly tracking taking sets to your actual breaking point mm-hmm. like that if you're actually doing that it's probably the hardest fucking thing you're gonna do that day unless you're like gonna give childbirth or something later on which you probably should be, <laughs> should be training at that point <laughs> yeah we should probably fucking go home yeah um so think about that during sets. number two what are you feeding with your food? So my old track coach back at University of Cincinnati, his name's Chris Mack. He's now in Palo Alto, California, training a whole bunch of Olympians. Always knew he's going to do great things. He's fuck. He's an incredible coach. He's an amazing fucking human being. One of the few people from uh, what I consider my past life, because quite frank, 
I wasn't really me back then. Sure. <laughs> it was a different Justin. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a different fucking person um, that I still keep in contact with. He used to say, fat don't fly, all right? And he's right, fat don't fly. Fat does not contribute to propelling your body forward when you're sprinting in track, mm-hmm. all right? Sure. Fat doesn't contribute to you, you know, lifting a load. Um, it can contribute to the leverages that you utilize, but the muscles are what's actually lifting the load, right? Um So what are we feeding with our diet? And I want people to take this into account because I know that, you know, it seems like more so in the bikini division than anywhere else, there's this massive um, like push that I need to be in the 300 car club. I need to be in the 400 Mm. car club. I need to be in the 500 car club. Okay. So what are we feeding within our diet? Why is that a club? People just think it's cool. To be eating three to 400 carbs? Yeah, people just think it's cool. It's just like a, that's like how, it's like a show off thing. Okay. Like, oh, you know, look at me. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm eating a thousand. Like, <laughs> and you don't fucking see me, you know, doing that fucking shit. Yeah. I'm eating over 400 protein, I'm eating a thousand fucking carbs, I'm eating over 100 grams of fat. And I'm uh-huh. over here like, oh, it's weird. You know? It's a strange thing to it's, have it's, a goal. It's, 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 it's. It's a truly, it's a bikini That's girl fair. thing. I mean, it, really, yeah, yeah. it really, I, really, really, yeah, I get is. it. Yeah, and I don't say it to demean bikini girls. Bikini girls just have some weird things that they do, <laughs> like because. But you know, you don't really see the like really serious bikini girls like doing it or talking about it. Or, like sure. you know, they're 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 there to fucking win. Yeah, like, they just want to win. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever it takes. So, what are you feeding? Well, number one, you have to feed to keep up with your metabolism. We either need to overfeed or underfeed. Or, you know, balance out your metabolic output with your feeding. So that's first and foremost, right? But beyond that, we're feeding lean body mass. So you can be a 150 pound person. But if you have, you know, 115 pounds of lean body mass on you, that's what needs fed. You don't need to feed 150 pounds. You need to feed the 115 pounds of lean body mass. You need Mm -hmm. to feed what's lean. Mm -hmm. And you need to feed... You know, what's 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 serving you in your physique and, and your performance. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need to, you know, if, if we're feeding that extra 35 pounds, we're probably going to contribute more to that 35 pound mark. Sure. Right. Sure. And if we're overfeeding when, you know, it's not really warranted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then we're probably you know going to get fat and we're going to have bogged down digestion and we're going to have, you know, impaired performance mm-hmm. um, and impaired blood glucose and poor um, insulin sensitivity and poor nutrient partitioning and, you know, and a drop in your endocrine uh, output and, you know, all of these items. Right. So what are you feeding with your diet? Why do you want to be in the 400 carb club? Like if you're a 115 pound bikini girl, why do you want to be in the four? Why does it matter now? What it says when you're there is you have a very fast metabolism. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, does it, maybe you're training really fucking hard. Or, you know, what it says, you're just turning over calories in an abundance, mm-hmm. quite frank. But this doesn't really. If you're not just, you know, feeding to improve your lean body mass, which does take periods of overfeeding when all other biomarkers are in check. If you're not just feeding your lean body mass to improve and to grow and, you know, giving your tools, you know, what it needs to improve and grow, well, then we're kind of overfeeding. Which, you know, is kind of a waste of well, money with eating too many calories. It's kind of a waste of uh, your your digestion, mm-hmm. which is going to get bogged down eventually by mm-hmm. overfeeding. Um, 
why, you know, why? I also think there's a big push from people. Like people like expect their food to be changed a lot by their coach. Oh, okay. Uh, like people think their coach is like a macro calculator. Yeah. Like if you put anything into a macro calculator, well, week over week, it's going to change. Sure. Like what it spits out, right? Sure. Because your biomarkers are going to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the best progress that can come is when the protocol stays the same mm-hmm. and when the food doesn't constantly change. And you know, I, I know I, I had a girl check in today and um, I, I have her telling me how, uh, asked how long or when is your last refeed um, or when is your last diet break? And she said, you know, we've been on these, you know, we've been on these macros straight through for like 18 weeks or 19 weeks or something like that. And like, she's perfectly fine with it. Like she knows she's improving week over week. She's getting better week over week. But man, like there's a lot of people who, if you got to keep them on the same food 18 weeks, they'll probably fire you and hire someone else because they just want their food changed. Yeah. They have no rhyme or reason. It's it's the, it's the, I'm getting bored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. I'm like, well, if you're getting bored, bodybuilding is not the sport sure. for you. Um, it's okay for your food to stay the same. It's actually, it's, it's great. That's a great problem to have. Yeah. You know, I, man, my food's changed, man, this year. My food's changed like three or four times. Mm-hmm. If that made, I think, I think just three times that I remember my wow. food's actually changed. Yeah. And I've progressed um, pretty fucking substantially you sure. know, as a competitor, as a bodybuilder. Your food doesn't, what are you feeding? What's the purpose of your food needing change? You're in an improvement phase. Are you improving? Mm-hmm. It's a yes or a no. You're in a cutting phase. Are you getting tighter? Yes or no. All right. There's nothing beyond that. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. That, that's the end point. If you're not improving, let's assess and troubleshoot. If you're not getting tighter, let's assess and troubleshoot. Sure. But it, if you're getting tighter or if you're improving, then fucking keep rolling. It's funny that so like a body <clears throat> and a person's body, all are very individual. Yeah. Right. So you see the improvements in training, whether it's recovery, whether it's mm-hmm. out, weight output or whatever. And that food stays the same. That means yeah. that you're as a coach learning that that body is responding to this level of yep. nutrients. Right. Mm-hmm. Should you change that? It's going to respond differently. Exactly. How, how long would you say, <clears throat> and it, it's probably a variable question here. How long would you say it might take the body to react to a certain level of food? So I believe it's, it's, it's right around four weeks that we have a complete homeostatic overhaul in our thyroid activity. Hmm. So if I view it, say 4,500, you're a dude, you're 4,500 calories and I pull you down like 3,500 calories. Well, obviously the, you know, the body's going to start downregulating its metabolic output because you have less coming in. Like it's right? going to happen immediately. Yeah. 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 But it's going to start immediately, but I believe it's like 26 or 27 days that it takes to fully adjust. Okay. Now it's, it's going to adjust, you know, at a rate. So let's say the first week can't think of the fucking word that I'm trying to um, 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 describe this as, but so I'm just going to lay it out. So let's say the first week it downregulates by 20%, uh-huh. right? It's a big jump. Yeah. Second week it downregulates by 12%. So now it's changed like 32%. Mm-hmm. The third week it changes by like 5%. Yeah. So right? increment, incrementally getting smaller. It's incrementally getting smaller. It's not going <clears> to <throat> change at, you know, 20 fucking percent or 30 percent but it's just it's or i guess i guess it, it should be a bigger jump than that really like the first week it'd be like 35 percent the sure. second week would be like 20 percent now we're at 55 yeah. percent the third week would be like you know 12 percent now we're at 67 and, you know mm-hmm. from there it just kind of 
goes down. Sure, right. Sure. Like that's, that seems to be how it works. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like, you know, if you stay on the same food, you stay on the same food, you stay on the same food, you work your metabolic output up, you get to a place, you drop food down. You know, if you, I mean, you pull a thousand calories back, that's a huge pullback, but that's why like the first week you'll see a big jump. So the for second week, you'll see it, you know, a moderate size jump. And then it just kind of like diminishes from there. So that's why you like go bumbo cardio, what you know, yeah. output and other sure. facets. So for the person changing their diet up a bunch yeah. or a coach would change your diet up a bunch. If you're a client, then you're not giving your body enough time to react. You're Simply not giving your that. body an, enough time to react, but it's also it's like, how are we changing? Right. So like yeah. I'll keep clients in a very similar place, yeah, but their food changes a lot. So let's say I'll keep a client with like the like, food choice. No. So well, it depends. Okay. It depends. So okay. if, if I have a client that's following a meal plan, then, you know, we'll just change the food choices as need be. Mm-hmm. But I'll, you know, play with your proteins or carbs or fats over a 10 week period. And over 10 weeks, we're going to maybe add 500 calories, subtract 500 calories. So it's really slow, <clears> right? <throat> it's very slow and steady here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's how I prefer building things up in the off season because, you know, you make too big of a jump and, you know, now we have to pull back and mm-hmm. now, you know, we need to fix whatever happened. We made too big of a jump. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's forcing your body kind of stay in a constantly changing environment. Mm-hmm. Right. So, man, I'm probably giving away way too much information here. Seems but, common yeah, in most episodes now. There's going to be way too much information. Here. But if we're forcing homeostasis to consistently change, because even a little, you know, even if I just had 10 grams of carbohydrates, that's only 40 calories, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not a massive, um, that's not a massive response that your body needs. But now it's understanding that every single day when you zero out your, your food, you have 40 more calories. There's a very slight regulation of that and then you know now comes seven days and you check in again mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna add in maybe five grams of fat you know which is 45 calories and another 10 grams of carbohydrates which is 40 so i just added 85 calories so now over two weeks I added in what 125 130 calories like a, yeah 125 calories and you know same thing happens it's going to continue to change well during this time we're forcing the body to already not be in a home in a completely stable or homeostatic environment mm-hmm. right but we're i mean we're, it's not like we're making these massive changes to food sure it's not like sure. we're like bump 60 carb bump 20 fat yeah over time we're forcing we're, we're getting to that point but it's super slow and steady forcing the body to constantly respond when the when the body is already constantly responding to one thing it's going to be much more apt to respond to another thing constantly uh, um, commonly with this number one we see no digestive issues number two we see no change in blood glucose or blood Blood glucose even dropping mm-hmm. because the body starts anticipating jumps, right? Mm. When the body starts anticipating jumps, you'll see because the scale will go down in one week after you're like five or six weeks in, scale will go down because it was anticipating another bump. You didn't bump anything, and I was like, "Oh shit, what happened?" And every single time I see it, I'm like, "Ha ha, gotcha!" Oh, okay. One for the good guys. Okay. okay. <laughs> but so through all this, <clears throat> we're gonna, you know, we're, we're we're responding to a higher intake of food. Well, what happens when our thyroid increases? Consistently over time, your entire endocrine output has to increase over time to be able to, you know, match thyroid in a healthy body. You know, mm-hmm. assuming it's a healthy body. Mm-hmm. So your endocrine output has to respond. Well, what happens here? Now we constantly have all this testosterone. We have this estrogen levels. We have all these high, these sex hormones are now, you know, slowly elevating and rising within ratio here as well, right? Mm-hmm. What else happens? Well, there's more, well, more sleep. 
Mm-hmm. So more stress management. If there's more sleep and more stress management, there's more growth hormone. Mm-hmm. Well, these little jumps over time, there's no digestive issue. Blood glucose staying the same. So nutrient partitioning is really good. Man, we become pretty fucking insulin sensitive here. So it's all like these little tiny bumps that I do over time. They seem really small at the time, but it's all for a purpose, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, that's something that coaches who listen to this, you can utilize with clients who you feel like constantly need changes or like constantly need some sort of validation of the protocol adapting. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you bump someone 10 carbs, not a big deal. So you right? can make them feel good. Yeah. But you can also kind of start testing. Yeah. But then you can bump in 10 carbs, uh, you know, but also you need to do it to get to a set goal. If it's just a client that you feel like kind of needs something like this, you bump 10 carbs this week, next week, everything stays the same. You bump five fat next week, the next week, everything stays the same. You bump 10 carbs the next week. I mean, next week, say the same. In six weeks, you added 120 calories. Like yeah, th- th- yeah. Th- there's not going to be a huge that's effect there. Small. Yeah. yeah, that's really fucking low. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from there, you can just kind of tinker with it. But, you know, they think the last six weeks was like, oh, man. New stuff. Yeah, new stuff. <laughs> but they don't realize it's the same fucking thing. Dude. Sure, sure, like, it's sure. the same thing. We're in a little bit of a different yeah. mass. So, so even at times, maybe if you want to see how somebody might react to, say, a 40 car bump. Yeah. You're going to use that method. Yeah. To slowly put For it in. For some people, yeah. Yeah. to that point yeah yeah for some people who i feel like kind of need more excitement out of the sure. protocols which sure. you know i don't have a ton of people like that it's 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 nice now um you know being at a place where like man my clients just gotta trust that but i know it's common dude but yeah I know it yeah is. like i know my assistant coaches have a yeah. lot of clients like that. sure same thing with it's the workouts i'm tired yeah. of my workouts yeah same yeah fucking same fucking sentence yeah whenever someone tells me they're a little bored at the workouts i just know they're not training hard because man i don't get bored with my workouts <laughs> yeah, I, I never experienced yeah. that so what are you feeding? You know, are you feeding your fat mass? Are you feeding lean body mass? Are you feeding your metabolic output? Or are you just feeding what you want to do? The excitement component of this. All right. So think about that. Oh, cardio. What's your goal with cardio? So the first and foremost uh, item I always use here with cardio is let's look at a sprinter and let's look at a marathon runner, right? Which you want to be. All right. You Well, in bodybuilding, a majority of people would rather look like a sprinter than a marathon runner. OK, I think it's something we can almost universally agree on is a majority. It doesn't have, that doesn't have to include you because the majority means they're still split and the decision. Right. A majority of people would rather look like a sprinter. It's mm-hmm. a more powerful body. It's a more capable body. It's a stronger body. Um, it's, you know more widely considered a more feminine body on the female side and more masculine body on the male side. Most people want to address right? But if we use this argument and we go to, and we end it there, that's going to make you suggest that doing your cardio the way a sprinter does their cardio is probably going to be optimal for, you know, your best performance. Mm-hmm. Well, not always the case, right? So I want to talk about how I do cardio and you might disagree with this. That's okay. My clients are pretty fucking peeled, so I feel pretty fucking good about what I'm doing. Everything I do, as you guys know, is backed with intent. We diet with intent. We train with intent. We check in with intent. We assess by feedback with intent. We get blood drawn with intent. We sleep with intent. Everything we do, we fuck with intent. Every yep. single thing we goddamn do is with intent. We cardio with intent. How many so, calories does somebody burn when they're having sex? Ma'am, it depends. Me? <laughs> so off. 600. <laughs> we get after it. It's, is it's it? 600. Is there, is there an average? There is. There is. Look it up. All right, I will. 200 maybe? Average. I think, I, I think 200 might be uh, might be around the average. Do we 213. Have 213, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So dude, that's pretty fucking solid. But that's going to be taken on an average... That's going to be taken on average American people. I think the average American man is like 5'10", 180 pounds or 70 okay. pounds, something okay. like that. 
So man, I burned a lot of calories during sex. A lot of a lot of body to move. There's a lot of body. There's a lot of body to get to thrusting. <laughs> so so calorie or cardio with intent. Cardio with yeah. intent. Yeah, and that that is by far the best form of cardio. So what is your goal with cardio? A sprint or a marathon? So everything's with intent. I don't tell someone, hey, you know, go do six days of thirty minutes. Uh, that mean that couldn't mean less to me mm-hmm. because what I, my 30 minutes is, is guaranteed. It's different than your 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you know, your 30 minutes is different from the neighbor's 30 minutes and their 30 minutes is different from the other neighbor's 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone has their own definition of 30 minutes. So even with low intensity, steady state cardio. So the intensity is really just referring to heart rate. Mm-hmm. I like mine a little bit higher because my people are in pretty fucking good shape. You know, like there's averages for heart rate of like, this is the fat burning zone. This is the carbohydrate. I, burning I remember zone. that when I was studying. Yeah. It. Well, let me tell you something about physiology. Physiology doesn't give a fuck <laughs> when you're a highly trained athlete. Physiology doesn't give a shit. Physiology is just trying to keep up with your goddamn performance. I care about what is going to elicit an extreme calorie burn. But. We have to always, always, always keep in mind recovery. So if we just go out and we do hit five days a week, which is stupid as fuck. Truthfully, I am a very firm, very strong man. I'm not sure I could ever be swayed on hit cardio being done more than two times a week for more than 15 minute bouts is downright stupid. It's not even possible. Mm -hmm. When I prescribe hit, hit cardio, it's for like eight minutes, like 10 minutes, 12 minutes. You're, you're telling me. <laughs> Let's just, I just want to think about this super logically for a minute, right? Wouldn't be me. Yeah, it wouldn't fucking be me. <laughs> so the, the NFL, the NFL is yeah. on out, out there in the living room. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think we can universally agree that NFL skill position players are in better shape than any bodybuilding competitor that there is the most in shape bodybuilding competitor could not touch one of those guys in a conditioning test. Sure. Okay. So we agree. What is it? The uh, 40 yard, the 40 yard dash, the, you know, 40 yard dashes with 20 second break in between. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to kill you in every metric of conditioning. So an average NFL play is like eight seconds Mm -hmm. or something like that. And they go boss to the fucking wall for eight seconds, Mm -hmm. you know, in the first quarter, like everyone's pretty good. Second quarter, guys start, you know, hands on the hips a little bit. You know, third quarter, you know, guys are fucking sluggish, mm-hmm. right? And they're only going for a second burst. Mm-hmm. They're on the field for, you know, an, an average NFL drive uh, for offense and defense is like six plays. So they have six eight-second bursts. Mm-hmm. And then they get probably 10, 15 minutes of real-time rest in between the next time they go. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that you are going to give... maximum, all out, every single thing you got, effort, for a 15 second, no, 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 hang on, 15 seconds, very logical. I see hit being prescribed for 30 seconds. I was going to say, it's going to be 30 to 45, 30 on, 30 off. (laughs) That you are going to go for 30 seconds, all out, every single ounce of energy you got into this bout right here 30 on 30 off for 15 minutes and then you're going to take 30 (laughs) seconds rest and you're going to do it again for 15 straight minutes 
When dudes in the NFL aren't even close to touching that. And that's athletic peak. Let's look at the most in shape people in the world. Triathlons. <clears throat> yeah. And sprinters. Yep. And the Olympics. Yep. Yep. The 400 meter dash. That mm-hmm. was my event back at UCS. Sucked. But yep. it was my event. These guys are sprinting around, you know, the track for you know, in 44, 45 seconds. Right. It is not an all out sprint because you cannot all out sprint 400 meters because you have limited anaerobic capacity. You have limited aerobic capacity and you have limited shifting between these two. It says that for an experienced athlete or world class is 45 to 50 seconds for the 400 meter. Yeah, that's that's, that's how world class. Yep. Yep. So you're telling me. <laughs> That you can do that for 30 (laughs) seconds when they can't even do it for 30 fucking seconds. You're out of your goddamn mind. So when coaches are prescribing 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, or even 15 seconds on, 45 seconds off, and you're doing more than 12, 13, 14, man, maybe 15 minutes. If you're doing hit for 20 minutes, you're not doing hit. You're doing moderate intensity, steady state cardio. And you're burning the candle so hard. Man, I mean, we just have to take a logical approach to this unless you guys really, truly 100% believe that you're in better shape than Olympic track athletes or NFL players. Which, honestly, if you believe that, then contact me. I actually have some uh, beachfront properties in Idaho that I really need to get rid of uh, out of bargain, out of bargain, like $50,000 a piece. Just PayPal me and it's yours. There you go. If you truly believe that, you're out of your fucking mind. And when I see this coming from coaches, I'm like, if you think what? that you're worth $20 million. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, if you think yeah. that, wow, reach out to me. I'm your agent and there we are about go. to get you signed. Yep. Like you're big sign. Go you're going to the NFL. <laughs> are you free Thursday night? There's two teams playing. We're getting, we're going. Yep. Like that is so unbelievably ignorant mm-hmm. and it's, it's just but you know most coaches don't so, actually have real knowledge of how of physiology yeah. and what the body can actually handle i believe if 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 uh there's not more research on it the last time i saw the maximum possible output that a person could have of 100 all-out anaerobic capacity is like eight seconds it's I mean, eight seconds like that, that. That's not very long. Now, how do I prescribe cardio when I do prescribe? It? It's like 15 seconds on, you know, 20, 30 seconds off for, you know, eight minutes, maybe something like that. And then we'll follow it up with some low intensity steady state. Right. Um, I honestly, I very rarely use high intensity uh, interval training. Very, very, very rarely. The training that we do in the gym is so fucking hard that adding that on top of it, man, we are just begging for recovery issues. Do you have anything pulled up there? Did you see it yet? I found one, but it's dense. Oh, goodness. <laughs> formulas and fucking graphs yeah. and shit. Yeah, it's really hard. I'll, I'll kind of skim through the conclusion. Look up, uh, look up, just look up maximum anaerobic uh, output. So I did. Oh, is that what you did? Yeah, I'm on NCBI. Um, yeah, NCBI is great. Um, so think about this when you're doing your fucking cardio. Like, let's be realistic with it. Let's be fucking logical with it. Call it what it is. All right, we're doing interval training at the highest intensity that we possibly can do. 
But the goal of it is to be all out every single rep. And that's not possible over a long duration. It's, it's not a mentality thing. It's the fact that your body can truly only handle so much. I got one. Yeah. The most commonly used test length is 30 seconds, which is the time period of maximal effort where the major fuel source is anaerobic. For 30 seconds. So that means that, is that accurate? after, so what that says is I still believe it's a, I'm pretty sure it's eight seconds. But what that says is at eight seconds, that's when aerobic uh, um, energy, um, 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 energy turnover comes into play. Okay. And so it like does one of these. So it's anaerobic and then aerobic comes into play. And, then they hit. and at 30 seconds, it's when aerobic becomes the more um, like aerobic, like fat stores would essentially become the more preferred fuel source because okay. we used up all of the anaerobic capacity, which is carbohydrate and ATP turnover. Sure. These these are very dense articles. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't quote me on what I'm reading. Yeah, I believe, um, I, man. When I was in college, I thought it was like 34, 35 when that happened. It could be, you know, it could be 30. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. These are, was. these are, I haven't read one of those since I've been out of strength and conditioning. Sure. Truly. So that was so a long time. When ago. it comes to doing this, this hit that we all think we yeah. have been doing, right? Yeah. It seems like <clears throat> you're just tired. You're just really tired, but also it gets to the point like your, your legs are jello. Your yeah. legs are jello. Like you can't, you can't at do at that yeah. point, you're done. Yeah. The, the, the return is completely diminished. Like at you're, that point. you're doing that 30, 45 second stint yeah. of very, very hard, you know, to you extra cardio. Yeah. And then you're, you know, feel the, your, your legs getting inflamed and all yeah. that kind of shit. And then you're like, okay, I did a lot, but, it's but you're probably not pushing as hard. No. And you're spending too much time. Well, and you're tapping into your recovery so hard and yeah. it's always a risk versus reward. Can we do that? Is there a place for high intensity interval training, like on a spin bike in a building phase? Absolutely. There is. You could essentially treat it like a fucking rest ball set, right? You really could use it as a rest ball set for a spin bike. But when we're doing this for cardio and prep, I mean, man, we are just completely negating any sort of recovery activity that we're going to have going on. We're making the body very, 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 very beat up from doing this extreme anaerobic. Um, all of your anaerobic output needs to be used during training. I'm not saying don't do high intensity interval training. I'm saying do it the right fucking way. Mm -hmm. What I believe the right fucking way is 10 to 15 seconds on. If someone's really in great shape and they can handle a lot, 20 seconds off for a really short about like four minutes. If someone's in decent shape, uh, you know, 45 seconds off pretty good. If someone's just starting out in it, probably like a minute off. So you're going to do 10, 15 seconds all out. Everything you got, go, 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 fucking move. And then you're going to take a whole minute off. And then when that time comes up again, you're going to do it again. So at that point, you know, that's something when you'd see it done for like a longer duration. Um, you know, you could even extend that up to, um, you know, 15, 16 minutes. That would be like 12, 13 bouts, something like that. I mean, that's hard, dude. That's brutal. That sounds a lot. So how I like doing things is I like doing things in a much different approach. You know, when I do utilize hit, like I said, it's, you know, still, I want to make it beneficial for recovery. So, right. But how I usually do things is a low intensity steady state or a moderate intensity steady state cardio where you have a goal. So right now, like if you're doing the elliptical, let's say, and you're doing the elliptical right now, two mm -hmm. times a week. So mm -hmm. we're doing the elliptical uh, two times a week, like two and a half miles, right? Each bout. Yeah. See, I remember all my clients shit. There you go. It's fucking amazing. Still got to do it tonight. And uh, I'm like Rain Man. <laughs> my fucking I, I remember. What did you say? You were saying uh, some, Savannah was at the house. Here, yeah. And she's like, She's referencing her training protocols or something. Or, yeah. or you re you said like, well, two weeks ago you were this, this, and this. And like yeah. a week before that you were this. And she's like, how did you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I don't yeah, fucking yeah, know. Yeah. And um, so 
if you're doing the elliptical and you're doing it pretty hard, I think it should take about six to seven minutes per mile to do. So for a Scott, he has two and a half miles. And that's hard. I mean, that's hard. Like sure. I'm not, you're not sure. jogging. Yeah. I'm, and it, not at all. Like you're the, cool. the, the key brain told me yeah. Brandon long. He said, stay between eight and a half to 10 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Get, that's to a keep great that place pace. to stay. That's yeah. a really good place. And you're, you're moving. You're booking it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. And you know, you come out of two and a half miles and that's like 15 to, uh, what 17 and a half minutes, something like that, that it should take you to complete. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really fucking hard. That's a lot of energy expenditure. So what I look for with how hard we're training and then we feed the lean body mass that you have, we feed them the metabolism that you have. And we commonly don't feed more than that unless we're in a true bulking phase, which I do rarely utilize as a bulking phase. I'm more so it's if, if we're in a building phase, we're building the physique up. We're just barely we're we're feeding to feed everything and to feed recovery fully Mm -hmm. but you know beyond that we're not really you know feeding Mm -hmm. so you're gonna finish that and you're gonna be fucking tired you're gonna be drained we burned a shit ton of calories doing that we Mm -hmm. went hard but your legs don't necessarily feel like jello like the first couple times they might because you're not used to cardio feel tight but they just they just kind of like feel tight right yeah and you know maybe it's something you can walk off maybe something you can kind of roll out with like a self-roller or foam roller but you know it's not going to inhibit the next day it's it's not going to they might still feel kind of tight in the morning but it's you're not going to be at the gym like oh man i I fucking cardio like (laughs) You know, like we're not going to do that. And if it gets to that point, well, you know, you better be deep as fuck in a contest prep Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, we, we need to change that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are, what's your actual goal with the cardio? We want to treat it more like a sprinter, but we need to treat it intelligently. So I tell you, you have three miles that you have to get done. Get those three miles done with intent as best as you possibly can. We're not going to sprint for three fucking miles. We're not idiots. We're not going to jog through the park for three miles because, well, coach told me I should get these done with, you know, in six to seven minutes per mile. We're going to go pretty fucking hard. We're going to attack. We're going to burn a shit ton of calories. If we're burning a shit ton of calories with how hard we train, the way that we feed, then most of those calories are likely not going to come from a ton of stored carbohydrate levels. And if they do, there's going to be a nice blend of triglycerides that come in there as well. We're still utilizing aerobic conditioning. Mm -hmm. We're still in an aerobic zone, especially when you're an in shape, 20 fucking eight year old man, you're going to fucking use aerobic, a lot of aerobic conditioning Mm -hmm. because your body's trained to use the anaerobic output when you're in your fucking training session, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to have much left. It's physiology. It's simply working with physiology and it's breaking it down to the science that isn't this overly complex. Oh my God, this data set and this data set and this research study said, no, it's look, we can take that into account. I don't care what research says. I care how physiology works. You, you know what those researchers are doing? Researching against physiology. They're researching against physiology. Yeah. They're, they're not researching people who trained their ass off in the gym mm-hmm. earlier that day mm-hmm. or yesterday or you know in a fast who are doing this in a fast to say you know xyz they're not doing it's a very controlled environment and it's there's perfect. one thing it's perfect yeah it's always perfect yeah real world does not translate to perfection ever it never ever does so what's your goal with cardio if you get on cardio and you're going at a snail's fucking pace for 50 minutes Man, 
you're going to lose a lot of muscle mass. Remember, the body's always responding to the stimulus you place upon it. If you go out and you go for a 10 mile run and, you know, you do that, you know, four times a week for the next month, you're going to lose a shit ton of muscle mass. Why? Because your body has to perform for that 10 mile run that you are asking it to show up for. So it's going to adapt and it's going to make changes to itself to put itself in the best environment possible to conducively perform what you are asking it to do. So add some fucking intent to your cardio and fuck dude, like you're spending two hours a day doing cardio. That means you're not that. That just tells me that screams to me that you're doing it without any intent whatsoever. That just means it takes two hours for you to burn as much energy as needed to have a conducive cardio session. Mm -hmm. What if we can cut that by 65% because you just get the fuck after it within, within a realistic realm and you just improve Mm -hmm. because I can guarantee you that's what we can do with hundred percent. I guarantee that's what we can do. Another one. Why do you want to use PEDs? Do you want to use PEDs? Because they think they're they're going to make you jacked. You're going to get yoked. Because you're going to get pussy. (laughs) Why do you want to use PEDs? Do you actually have an answer to why you want to use PEDs? Do you just think that's the next thing that you're supposed to do? Do you want to use PEDs because you think that you're just going to do the same thing you're doing now and just get fucking shredded out of your mind? Because that's not what's going to happen. Because when you start using PEDs, you have to work harder. A lot of people won't like to hear that. But the hardest working people, if I make a list of the top 50 hardest working clients on my roster, they're all enhanced. Well, that's that tell you. You got to work way fucking harder when you start using PEDs. Why? Well, you have more to recover from. You have more tools to recover from. You have a competitive edge mentally. By having a little bit more aggression. Now, when I say aggression, this isn't roid rage. You know, roid rage is not a fucking thing, you guys. Jesus fucking Christ. Roid rage comes when really immature people utilize something like trend or halo testing or whatever. Roid rage is not a real fucking thing. You don't just take testosterone and start raging. Jesus fucking Christ. It's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. No, you take testosterone. You're like, oh my God, I feel fucking awesome. Yeah. And you want to fight. You you feel the best you ever have mentally. You have extreme mental clarity. But also, you know, look up. uh, Here's another thing about research. Go to NCBI and look up testosterone plus male plus depression. Look up testosterone plus male plus anxiety. Look up testosterone plus male plus happiness. There's the exact same amount of studies on every single goddamn one of those things. Mm-hmm. So it's like picking your battle, right? It's like, mm-hmm. again, it's what are the researchers looking for? They're going to find it. Sure. I feel like the, the roid rage comes from taking PEDs prematurely. You're not ready for a it. A lot of people, a lot of men who utilize, um, you know, because only so many of them affect your, like truly have a deep effect on your mood. So one's okay. Anavar. Okay. Anavar makes you feel great. Yeah. No one has ever in the history of the world taken Anavar and be like, oh my God, I am so depressed. And if yeah. you have, you didn't have Anavar. Sure. You, you know, you might've had a turnable, you might've had a Dianable, you might've had a Winstrol. Um, but you know, those all have, those all serve a purpose mm-hmm. and you know, some of them don't want to get too deep into it or some of them, they, they do depend on your body composition to the way they actually respond and, and elicit their effects. Right. Mm-hmm. Anavar make you feel great. Testosterone for males make you feel fucking great. You know, if a 17 year old boy's using trend, yeah, he's probably going to be fucking pissed off because he's not even mentally, you know, he's not even mentally. <laughs> he's already pissed off anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pissed off as it was. So, what steroids do and what halotestin and trend and, you know, other th- Anavar, like it enhances who you are. Mm-hmm. 
So if you start taking steroids and you start feeling a type of way, it's because that's who you are. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, like, like fucking take mushrooms and you really like look at yourself in the fucking mirror and it's like, oh, that's just who I am. And like, maybe you knew that. Maybe you don't yeah, know that. Yeah. So if you're a really, 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 really fucking anxious person, you start taking steroids, you're probably going to get more anxious. But you did nothing to fucking help yourself. It's not the drug. It's it's you. It's a you thing. It's you know, you're the reason why you feel that way. It's not don't fucking pin something on a fucking drug that you know helps people every single day live a more normal fucking life. Sure. Jesus Christ. Like sure. you were just talking about this show. I'm like, man, he, these people are dumb. It's like what what the fuck was it? Those old like weed commercials. Yeah. Those like dare there's that fucking fly. There's that fucking fly, dude. We gotta get it. He landed on the the windowsill. We got a fly and we got this fly swatter electric thing. I don't know. It's like an f- electric fly swatter. And we've been trying to catch this bitch. And listen to this. Let me get Press it. Press it. Listen to this. <laughs> that sounds intense. I would not want to be a fly in this household. Oh, shit. I'll tell you when he comes back. Yeah. Um, but it's like those dare commercials. Old, you remember that yes, shit? Absolutely. Where they said weed made you like uh, lose your mind yep, and, yeah. and like eat people and shit. Like yeah. That. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Man, I smoke weed every night. I've never eaten a person. <laughs> I have eaten a lot of pretzels on there weed, though. <laughs> so. Why do you actually want to use PEDs? Does it actually does it actually back your goals? Does it actually support and enhance what you're currently doing, or is it just as a scapegoat or a cop out, or because you have a fucking weird fantasy that they're going to do something that they're not going to fucking do? Why do you want to use them? And the last item is what's your thought process during a set? I think there's so many people who just go into a set and they just do the set. Oh, I'm doing a cable low row. So I do a cable low row. Let me tell you about what I think during a cable low row. So what I think during a cable low row is I get set up. First thing I do is, you know, I strap in because uh, when you use your fucking straps uh, on any grip focus movement, you're going to have more control, be able to use more load. You're going to get more reps. So bodybuilders, it's, it's a bodybuilding contest. These are good things because with all that comes more stimulus, right? So I strap in. Now, the first thing I do is I fire my lats while they're in a completely stretched position before I even pull the cable back. I make sure my lats are completely fired. So now I get set and I press my feet into the platform. I have all of my weight that is pulling into the platform evenly distributed across my feet. Not too much on my toes, not too much down on my heels. From here, I squeeze my glutes. I make sure that my scapula is in perfect alignment with my hips. And now I drive my elbows back through my belly button as hard as I can every single rep as far as I can. I keep my hands, my strapped in hands, I keep my hands on top of the weight rather than falling behind. So I'm able to continue controlling the movement and I go until I can no longer move that load back in a conducive movement pattern. A conducive movement pattern for a cable low row is that you can no longer get your elbows in line with your torso. That's my thought process during a cable low row. What's your thought process during a fucking set? Are you thinking about, I need to get 12 reps. Are you thinking about curl the weight? Are you thinking about, oh man, this is fucking heavy. Are you thinking about actually putting yourself through the mechanical complications that it takes to perform a conducive set? A few things carry over to every single uh, thing that we do in the gym. Number one, weight should always be evenly distributed amongst your feet. It shouldn't be too much in the heels. Shouldn't be too much in the toes. It should be evenly distributed amongst the feet. Number two, your feet should always stay relaxed. If your feet start tensing up, everything else tenses up. Look, that's the foundation. Everything's built from there. 
weight evenly distributed. So if you're not training in flat sole shoes, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. Stop training in running shoes. That's don't even get me fucking started on that shit. I mean, it's beginner level stuff. Flat sole shoes, period. Converse, Vans, Metcons. Personally, I wear the Nobles. And after wearing them once, I was like, wow, literally, this is great. I can never wear another training shoe ever fucking again. What about those lifting so, shoes? Uh, no. Those platform not, not ones? fucking bodybuilding. No. Fucking no. So put on your fucking flat sole shoes. Get the fuck after, right? Flat feet. Weight evenly distributed. Feet relaxed. Two. Soft knees. We shouldn't be locking out our fucking knees. Soft knees. Tight hips and glutes. Squeeze your glutes. Make your hips fucking tight. Core tight so that our torso does not move at all during the lift. Wherever the lever is that is moving the load, let's say a bicep curl, the elbow joint flexes and extends. Flexes and extends. Flexes and extends. But that doesn't mean anything unless our hand's in the right position, right? For a curl, we should always be leading with the pinky. If we're doing an open palm curl, we should always lead with the pinky, right? That puts us in complete supination. So we need to, what are you thinking during the set? Are you just trying to do something to get to a certain number and then get the fuck out? Or are you actually thinking about performing a conducive set that is optimal for the goal of building your physique and building your body and forcing a, a, a responsive stimulus? All right. So most of you, if you start training like this, if you're not already, you're going to see a massive drop in the weight and the load that you are utilizing. I don't care about the load you're utilizing. Well, Justin, you always say train heavy. Yes, I do. You've been listening. Train heavy with an intent, though. Everyone's heavy is different. My heavy is vastly different than your heavy. Your heavy might be stronger than mine. It might be lighter than mine, but our heavy, it's all relative. Some people, that's the 135-pound bench press. To others, that's a 500-pound bench press. You know, heavy is completely up to that person, but it's with intent. Everything we do has an intent behind it. If shit is sloppy, you're not fucking improving. You're not getting better. You're not being intentful. You're just going through the motions. That's why your physique never changes. Okay, so what are we doing during the lift? I see a lot of poor lifting going on, and I just think if people are more mindful, more intentful, and also like record yourself. Watch the video back. Like, be harsh on yourself. If you saw someone else doing that in the gym, does it fucking look right? No, fix it. But you don't you don't know if your form's good if you're if you've never recorded yourself doing something that you can't see your full body, right? You're doing a dumbbell chest press, but you can't see yourself fucking do it while you're doing it. So record it. And you're doing squats, and if you're in front of the mirror, you can only see one side of that squat. What about the backside and the side shot? You know, we need to be able to fix all these things, okay? So I hope this helps. I hope these training considerations and fitness physique enhancement considerations help you guys. I enjoy making these podcasts and I think you guys take a lot from them. So for episode 93, I almost forgot for a second. We're getting real close to a hundred. We'll see you next time.